Hey everybody, this is Rick. And this is Nathan from Aberdeen, Washington. And you're listening to Trex in in Sci-Fi with our friend Rico. The podcast is strong in this one. Hey everyone, it is Rico, and this is Trex in Sci-Fi. Thanks for that great intro, Rick and Nathan Moyer. I've really got uh, quite a few of those to play on the show, so if you've sent them in, don't worry. I will be playing yours on the upcoming weeks, and please send in more uh, Treks and Sci-Fi intros. Those are great. I really enjoy that. This week, we are going to cover Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. This will be podcast number 115 for April the 15th, 2007. It's going to be a very packed show. We've got a lot of listener calls, got a contest to go over, Lots of good stuff, so stand by. Here we go. I'm going to play the, this is a fairly long two-minute trailer to The Phantom Menace to get us in the mood to look at this uh, first uh, prequel of the Star Wars film. So stand by. Here we go. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. A communications disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Begin landing your troops. We haven't much time. The Federation has gone too far. Is catastrophic. Our people are dying, Senator. We must do something quickly. You must contact me. There is something else behind all this, Your Highness. They will kill you if you stay. And I can only protect you. I can't fight a war for you. I think we're going to have to accept Federation control for the time being. This is a battle I do not think that we can win. I will sign no treaty, Senator. You said people are going to die? Once those droids take control of the surface, they will take control of you. I was not elected to watch my people suffer and die while you discuss this invasion in a committee. Get me our ships! They will never get me onto one of those dreadful starships. Always two there are. A master and an apprentice. There we go with the two-minute-long or so trailer to Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, of course, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the Star Trek, Star Wars, Sci-Fi podcast. I've always kind of thought that Star Trek has always appealed to kind of more of my intellectual side, 
but I like Star Wars almost just as much. Uh, and I think Star Wars is more uh, of an, an emotional appeal. I, I think the uh, the movies really get you going, your heart pounding, and really pull you in, the characters and the plots and everything that go. So uh, I think you could definitely enjoy both of these things equally. I do at least. I know some people like one more than the other a lot, a lot more than I do. I'm kind of more 50-50 on it, but I've tried to... Um, sprinkle in Star Wars things in the podcast from time to time, looked at some of the other movies, I've looked at all the original trilogy, but I thought it was time to look at the prequels. Uh, These, of course, in most people's mind, are not quite up to the original trilogy films. Uh, I think there's a a few reasons for that, and I'll probably go into that as we discuss uh, The Phantom Menace Episode 1, but I think the you know, there for me at least, I, I grew up with the original trilogy, so that will always be the uh, my my favorite movies of the Star Wars series. But I still enjoy the prequels, and we'll be uh, talking about, of course, Phantom Menace here in a moment. Uh, I don't want to really spend too much time this week on news topics because we have a lot of things to go over uh, between the uh, movie, some listener calls and comments, and the contest entries uh, to win that uh, Qui Gon action figure. So uh, we won't spend too much. There's two bits of news, though, I did want to mention. First, uh, for those that haven't heard, that uh, young actor Shia LaBeouf, I th- or I, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. Anyway, Shia has definitely officially joined the cast of Indiana Jones uh, 4. Doesn't have an a- actual title to the film yet. I, I'm sure that will be forthcoming. And from what I know, it's not really been uh, released or determined whether, you know, what role Shia is going to play in this whether he's going to be Indy's son or or just a sort of a sidekick character like Short Round was in Temple of Doom. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. But I, I think he's a good actor. He's going to be in that uh, Transformer movie this summer, so we'll get to you know see him in an action kind of role there, uh, which will be kind of a, a little hint of things to come for Indiana Jones 4. So that'll be good, uh, good to see that. And that movie is looking really spectacular. I was never really into the Transformers, but that movie... Uh, may change my mind a little bit so and the other bit of news on the star trek front that i want to pass along the fan slash or pro really film star trek of gods and men the first part is premiering today actually april 15th 2007 Uh, this is going to be a three-part film uh that is going to be released like i said in uh three pieces uh yes obviously because it's a three-part film but anyway, if you go to StarTrekOfGodsAndMen.com, I looked there this morning. I'm recording this. It's about uh, 9.15 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and nothing is up yet, but I think they're all West Coast people, so what is it, 6 a.m. there? But I'm expecting by the end of today that the first part of Star Trek of Gods and Men should be up. I'm hoping. Right now, they haven't really said that. They've been they've listed that date for a while that that will be when it's going to show the first part but i'm worried when they just uh, right now they're saying a special announcement coming april 15th maybe they've been delayed I, i'm hoping that's not the case but check the website out uh with uh, further developments on that uh, very cool film by tim russ and a lot of other professionals doing a uh, star trek uh, film on the web hi this is len from job on radio and whenever i need the latest star trek or sci-fi news I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Okay, I thought what we'd do instead of waiting and holding this for later in the show, since I've got a lot to go over with the Phantom Menace movie, we're going to go through the contest entries. I've got a few to play here. The, um, 
the question or the thing that I put out to people was I wanted them to send some audio in about uh, describing or talking about their favorite Star Wars character. And I will play some of those entries and talk about them as we go, and then I will uh, randomly select one for the winner of the Qui-Gon figure. So here's the first entry. Hey, Rico, it's Kenny from California. Wow, that's a tough question. Who's my favorite Star Wars character? Hmm, there's so many great characters in all six films, but I would have to say being a seven-year-old boy sitting in a theater and watching Star Wars for the first time and seeing Darth Vader walk through that blast door, that was that was one of those, you know, wow moments. And I just remember being a kid and just being in total awe from that moment on. So I would definitely have to say Darth Vader is one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. Thanks. Well, thanks very much for that, Kenny. And uh, here's another entry. Hello, Rico. This is Dave Morton from Chicago. I thought I'd send in my response to your question, who is your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, I'd have to say my favorite character is X-Wing fighter pilot Wedge Antilles. Uh, I like Wedge's character because I think he represents all the other rebels you never get to see. While he's not in the forefront of the action, he's always there doing his best in every major battle of the first three Star Wars films. And he has the distinction of being the only known pilot to have survived each Death Star attack. He's there with Luke when Luke is making his final attack run on the Death Star in A New Hope. In Empire Strikes Back, he's the first pilot to complete a snow speeder attack run, a cable attack run against the NAT-AT during the Battle of Hoth. And in Return of the Jedi, he makes the critical shot that destroys the Death Star's power regulators, allowing Lando to deliver the killing blow to the battle station. Uh, His character really gets fleshed out in a series of books called X-Wing Rogue Squadron. He and Luke are co-founders of an elite unit of X-Wing pilots, and Wedge eventually takes command of the squad when Luke leaves. So uh, there he is, Wedge Antilles, one of the greats. Well, thanks for that entry there, Dave, and here's another. Hi Rico, this is Nathan from Aberdeen And I am going to tell you who my favorite Star Wars character is And that would be Han Solo Because he starts out just as a scruffy nerve herder And at the end ends up believing in the Force And plus he gets the hot babe So yeah, that's about it <laughs> Thanks for that entry, Nathan And I'm, I'm probably with you on that Probably uh, Han Solo is probably my uh, favorite as well Luke is up there, too, as well. Uh, A lot of characters I really enjoy, but uh, I think the character of Han is probably uh, closest to myself in in my uh, personality, or at least maybe the way I think of myself. Anyway, here's another entry. Hey, Rico. This is Rick Moyer, and I want to let you know my favorite character in Star Wars is none other than my son making sound effects of... Darth Vader. I don't know why. I just think he's cool. Oh, quick coughing in the microphone. Anyway, I like Darth Vader. He's the best. And uh, I just think he has a cool costume and his helmet was awesome. And I always wanted to be him, even though I grew up. Well, kind of. Thanks, Rico. Well, thanks for that, uh, Rick. Uh, great entry there. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, as always, you guys are very funny. Uh, the uh, We've got one more to play, and then I will uh, pick the winner. 
Hey Rico, this is Duster, and this is for your Star Wars competition on who's your favorite character. Well, come on, there is no contest. Han Solo was by far the coolest Star Wars universe character ever. I mean, come on, who as a young boy didn't want to be Han Solo? Swooping in, saving the day, getting the princess. It, it, it's great. He Han Solo is the best. Well, you know, Luke was okay. And... Ben was pretty cool. It was alright. Um, nope, it was hot. Okay, there was a, those are the entries. Looks like Darth Vader and Han Solo are uh, pretty much uh, tied up there, at least with this small group of entries for your uh, favorite Star Wars character. I was hoping to get a few more. Uh, I know there are a few people that were talking to me uh, both on the forums and through emails about sending them in, but uh, it was a short contest, only for a week going to win this uh, Hasbro figure, so I'm going to randomly, I've got the names written down on a piece of paper here for the entries, and I'm just going to, uh, each one's got uh, a number by it, and I'm going to roll my magic die. Looks like number three on the list. Looks like Nathan, Nathan Moyer, you are the winner of the Qui-Gon in Jedi training gear, or some kind of Jedi gear he has on, a little different kind of outfit of the Hasbro figure, Nathan Nathan, send me a quick email with your address. I think I have it from previous work that you guys have done, but send me a new one and I will get the figure off to you. Okay, just like to thank everyone again for entering the contest. Those are always fun to do, and it also uh, I try to keep them, uh, you know, related to what the subject matter is going to be. And of course, this is kind of the uh, non-Star Trek, uh, un-Star Trek, uh, Star Wars uh, show this week, particularly. Going to look at uh, as we've been talking, the Phantom Menace. So, what I thought uh, I would do as we get into the talking about the film is I'm going to play a listener call. This is this is kind of get me in the mood of talking about the movie and getting started. This one, I've got a couple of them to play. This first one is from our buddy Kenny in California, talking about The Phantom Menace. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California. I just wanted to give you my thoughts on Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. When I heard they were doing the next three Star Wars movies, I was so excited. I was a huge Star Wars fan of the first three and I couldn't believe they were actually gonna make the next three. I can remember all the hype and it was just so exciting. It was a great time to be a Star Wars fan and the anticipation was was huge. I can remember being at work when the first movie trailer went live online and all my co-workers were around my computer because I knew I was getting ready to download it and there was I mean thousands and thousands of hits and it took forever to download but I must have watched that trailer, I don't know, hundreds of times. People kept coming to my office and wanting to watch it. It was just great. and It was so much fun. Then the time came when the movie was actually going to open. I remember taking off work early. And I stood in line for, I think it was about 12 to 13 hours at the Man's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Standing in line is always a big event also. I remember standing in line for Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. So it's always a huge party. There's people walking around in costumes, especially in Hollywood, because at the Man's Chinese Theater, people lined up 
I don't know, six months in advance. So there's TV crew people, and it's always a madhouse, and it's exciting, and it's always fun. That's the best place to see an opening of a movie, especially a big one like The Phantom Menace. I can remember sitting in the theater with anticipation, the butterflies in the stomach. There were people having lightsaber battles all around you. People were throwing beach balls, and they were all excited, and it was just so, the atmosphere was so much fun. And then the lights went down, and there was not a single sound. Then you would see the George Lucas sign, and the crowd just went crazy. Then the scroll, and the crowd went crazy. Then Star Wars, and the crowd went crazy. Every single moment, something familiar would pop on screen. The crowd would go nuts. First time we saw R2-D2, first time we saw C-3PO, the first time we saw Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was just amazing, and you really couldn't hear the dialogue because everyone was so loud and screaming and just having a great time. It was, it was a very memorable moment. When the movie was over, I remember being exhausted. It was an exhausting time standing in line, all the excitement and the anticipation, and you're just completely drained by the end of the movie with all the action, and it was, it was a great moment, and I really enjoyed the movie. Um... I know it gets a bad rap sometimes, and yes, it isn't as great as the original three, but those are the original three. Nothing will ever reach the height of, of those three movies, but it was definitely a fun movie. I loved Queen Amidala. I liked the way Hugh McGregor portrayed Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was fun. It was exciting. You know, a little too much CG, but it definitely... Um, was a great addition to the Star Wars universe, and I think it it um, it was it was a enjoyable movie. I don't know if it lived up to all the hype, but it definitely, in my eyes, was enjoyable and was worth everything I went through. Um, I went back to the theater probably seven or eight more times to see it. So um, it, I'm definitely a fan of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Thanks, Rico. Well, thanks a lot for that, Kenny. I uh, really appreciate uh, your thoughts uh, on all the the kind of lead-up and hype to The Phantom Menace about the preview trailer and, and standing in line and a lot of good uh, things and interesting things and similar to uh, to my experience. Well, you know what? Hey, let's get into, uh, get into that right now. We're going to be uh, going through the movie. I've got several clips. I don't know, 14. I, it was hard. I sat down last night to collect some clips from the DVD and... You know, Star Wars is such a visual experience, and and maybe even more so with with the prequel movies, that it was difficult. I had to find um, you know clips mainly where there was some dialogue going on, and that would you know lead you through the story. Things I thought that were important to the movie, so it was a little tricky in parts, but I think I got some good ones. Um, let me tell you a little bit about my experience with Star Wars, and uh, in particular the Phantom Menace. I, of course, like I said earlier. Grew up with the original movies, saw them all in the theaters, waited in lines, like Kenny said, for the original trilogy, and, you know, just loved them, saw them many times in the theaters, and on, uh, you know, eventually on videotape and DVDs. So, you know, those movies are really special to me and mean a lot. And when when they announced that they were going to do another trilogy, I, I was always kind of pretty sure that George Lucas would eventually get back to doing a, a set of Star Wars films at least uh, 
I kind of also thought he'd probably go the prequel route. I, I didn't think he was going to get the actors from the original movies back, so I really did think he would go uh, with prequel films. And this, uh, you know, when it was announced that The Phantom Menace came around, probably if we want to even go back a little bit further, when he did these special editions of the original trilogy and some of the Star Wars novels have been doing really well, he, they really could see that there was definitely a market for more Star Wars out there. And that, of course, has something to do with this is still a business. So, you know, after so many years, they had to, you know, find out, even though a lot of the merchandise had still sold well, they, they were trying to see what, you know, people wanted. And it was obvious that they were eager for more Star Wars films. When the announcement came down that there was going to be another film, The Phantom Menace, of course, the fans and everyone around the world really was like, oh, finally, you know, after 20, about 20 years, a little bit more than that, uh, you know, it came out in 1999, and the first Star Wars film came out in 77, so not quite 20 years between uh, Return of the Jedi and, and Phantom Menace, but you can do the math. But everyone was very happy, and I re- again, like Kenny said, I remember the first trailer, which was a very short uh, kind of teaser trailer. I think it came out around in the fall, Thanksgiving or so, November, I believe, of the year, uh, which would have been 1998 when The Phantom Menace came out in 99, in, in May of 99. And the trailer really got you excited for the movie. They didn't show much. I, if I remember correctly, there was no dialogue, no nothing but music and some uh, quick scenes in that first trailer. And then the second one, which I played earlier on the show, you know, showed you a lot. And that came out, I believe it was in March or so, March, April-ish uh, of 99, so a few months before The Phantom Menace. And one thing that I like that George Lucas does well compared to some uh, companies and movies that they put out is he doesn't really do a ton of, of trailers, movie trailers. They eventually, when the movie was getting close to being released, they did some commercials on television. And with The Phantom Menace, I wanted to point this up in particular on this podcast. They did something kind of unique, which I thought was really neat and they really liked it. Uh, they did these things called tone poems. I don't know if uh, those listening remember these, but they're on the DVD set. They did a series of about a half a dozen of these, and it was based on a certain theme like love or uh, destiny uh, or, or heroism or something like that. Uh, the one that I recorded, and I'm going to play for you, I think it's about a minute long. Anyway, this was about... Uh, this was with uh, Shmi Skywalker, Anakin's mother, speaking about love and kind of, uh, you know, Anakin has to leave his home in this movie, and it, it's a difficult thing when you think about it. The kid's, you know, he's a little kid, and he's leaving his mom, he's leaving everything he knows to go off to be a, a Jedi with this Qui-Gon guy, and so it's, uh, but I really like this advertising campaign that they did. It was unusual, they didn't show a lot, they stuck to a certain theme in each commercial, and it was uh, was really cool. I really liked it. And here's the tone poem, uh, One Love, I think is the name of this one. Don't look back. Before you go, eyes forward. Choices to make. Dreams to realize. Don't look back before you go. Know the truth. Learn to let go. Don't look back before you go. Before you leave. 
that's uh, that's a really cool thing. I really liked how they did those uh, little poem advertisements. Uh, what I was going to say earlier, too, is that the thing I thought about uh, Star Wars, about The Phantom Menace, and, and even the other films, the prequels, they didn't overdo the advertising. It wasn't... Um, the, the trailers, they, you know, they still left a lot uh, out. Uh, I, you know, I'm saying this in relation to a little bit about Spider-Man 3. I'm getting a little bit disappointed in the fact that they seem to be showing just so much uh, of the film in these various trailers that they've been releasing. And, you know, I, I guess some people could say that the Star Wars films, when they were released, or when the trailers were out, they still showed a fair amount in those, too. But, for I don't know, for some reason, it seems like they're they're... Lately, they've been overdoing it with some movies. You almost think you've seen the movie before you walk into the theater for the first time. So it's just a little uh, opinion there, I guess. Um, the last thing, too, about the lead-up to this, you know, they had all the merchandise that came out, and that was just a frenzy. I've always been a collector, of course. Everyone that listens to the podcast regularly knows that with my collectible reviews and I kind of bought, you know, some of the figures that came out initially, but I wasn't there on that, uh, you know, Midnight Madness figure run that they did. I've never been that hyped up by it. I like to get them, but I'm not really going to go at midnight to a uh, toy store to pick them up. Uh, most of the time, they, you know, they had such a, a glut of merchandise when it when the Phantom Menace came out anyway. There really was no trouble walking in, you know, weeks later and finding Phantom Menace figures on the shelf. You know, they were everywhere. They were everywhere months later even. So I think Hasbro kind of overdid it. And they realized this because when the the next film came out, when Attack of the Clones came out, they cut back quite a bit on the merchandise for that film. So they they, they did learn a little something. But uh, I did also wait in line, uh, but I didn't really wait that long. I think it was maybe about a week before the movie came out when I... uh, I just uh, found out my local theater was selling advanced tickets for opening day. I went to the theater, waited about two, three hours, kind of in a rainy day line, and uh, picked up the tickets for the show and, and went to see it. Actually, on opening day, I went two times to see The Phantom Menace. I went in the morning, took the day off, and went in the morning. Saw it with a bunch of friends of mine, which is cool. We filled up pretty much a whole row and then we went. Uh, I went back later that evening with my kids to uh, to see it, and then many times after that in the theater. So, but uh, at this point in the podcast, we are going to actually get into the movie now. Finally, after uh, we've been talking for about a half hour already, this uh, first clip. Let's get into it. The first clip. We uh, of course everyone that's listening has probably seen this movie, knows this movie well. So I'm not going to explain a lot about what's going on. The first clip, though, this is. Uh, Early in the movie, I, I try to go chronological when I do these things. This is with um, the point in the movie when, of course, Obi-Wan and uh, Qui-Gon are aboard the uh, Federation ship uh, and finding out that they've been kind of set up. So, listen in. Battle droids. It's an invasion army. This is an odd play for the Trade Federation. We've got to warn the Mabu and contact Chancellor Valorum. Let's split up. Stow aboard separate ships and meet down on the planet. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, they were very short negotiations. Uh, I also have to agree with Kenny. I uh, with uh, the character of Obi Wan played by Ewan McGregor. I think he really does a great job in in all three of the prequels. Uh, 
very much mimicking Alec Guinness and his voice and some of his mannerisms, lots of things like that, little things that really add to to the role and, and really makes you believe this is a, a young Obi-Wan. And Qui-Gon, uh, Liam Neeson's character of Qui-Gon, I think is probably about the best thing in The Phantom Menace. He really has an air of uh, sort of an, uh, like almost a, an Arth, uh, a knight in the court of Arthur. You know, the Jedi are supposed to be this sort of elite group. He's uh, he's very calm when even when crazy things are going on around him. He's a bit of a rebel, though, when it comes to what the uh, Jedi Council wants to do. And I like that. Uh, I've always liked that characteristic in, in different characters in movies and it's a little, uh, a little bit like me, you know. Go, go against the grain, you know. When the establishment wants to do things a certain way, uh, you know, the boy who cried wolf kind of thing. You know, he's the guy who's pointing out, uh, you know, about Anakin and his abilities and all of that, and trying to convince everyone. So really good. I, I've always liked Liam Neeson as an actor, and I think he does a great job here. Great pick. Uh, if anything, uh, George Lucas, yeah, sometimes his scripting and his dialogue is a little not, not that great, but. There, I'll tell you what, there's one thing the guy can do really well, and that's cast roles and cast a movie. He knows exactly the kind of people and the kind of actors and characters to get for for his films, and it, it shows definitely in the prequels as it did in the original trilogy. So let's move on. The next clip. This will, of course, introduce everyone's favorite Phantom Menace character, Jar Jar Binks. Now, I was, uh, I'm not really that much of a, a Jar Jar hater, let's just put it out there. You know, I think he was an interesting character. I, I think they had a little comedy relief in there. Young kids, uh, which George Lucas has always kind of maintained that these movies are really for, generally for younger kids, although I, I kind of debate that a little bit when he got to uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming he thinks by then the kids grew up a little bit because that movie would be a little scary and a little rough for for little six, eight-year-olds. But uh, Jar Jar, the little kids, of course, love him. And as a, uh, a movie achievement in CG... Uh, he's just amazing. I, as I was watching this again last night, uh, collecting up the clips, I'm still just, you know, just boggled by how well they they integrated his role and his character. His not really his role, but his uh, just the CG effect of Jar Jar in the movie. Uh, and of course, it was played with an actor uh, in a suit that was then CG'd over in a way, you you know, so they could follow that that character lines and his expressions and you know, his movements and all that kind of thing, kind of like they did with Gollum in uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, but an amazing character. And, you know, he, he turns out to be important in this movie, important in the other movies too, but uh, he's fun. So what are you going to say? Here's a clip with Jar Jar when they first meet on Naboo. Moi, moi, I love you. You almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I speak. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Now get out of here. No, no, Mr. Stay. Mr. called Jar Jar Binks. Mr. your humble servant. That won't be necessary. Oh, but it is. It is demanded by the gods, it is. Stay down. You saved my again. What's this? A local. Let's get out of here before more droids show up. More? More did you speak? More? More did you speak? Uh, you know, the the great thing about Jar Jar is everyone tries to do his voice. Everyone says the lines. It's like, uh, it, it, it you know, if, if a character, if if the measure of how, how a character um, 
you know, its popularity is is that everyone's talking about him. Everyone makes cartoons and voices about him. Well, then Jar Jar succeeds uh, very well because I remember that even to this day there are uh, you know little cartoons on the internet and in magazines featuring Jar Jar. So he's definitely around to stay uh, as a permanent uh, character in the Star Wars universe. And you know, I think Lucas understood and realized that. You know, the, this character may not be all that popular with the older group, but, you know, I, I, I do admire George and, you know, his ability to, you know what, this is my movie, this is the way I'm going to do it, I want to do it this way. In, in relation to that, one thing I have to mention here and say is that, you know, The Phantom Menace featuring Anakin as a young boy and relatively, you know, untainted, un, un, you know, he hasn't gone to the dark side and all that stuff yet, uh, it was important. George always said that it was important. He wanted to show Vader, uh, Anakin, as as a young child, and the fact that, you know, his whole point with this was that, you know, bad people aren't really born bad. They just, through certain circumstances, sometimes things out of their control, they uh, they make some poor decisions that eventually, you know, end up sort of on the bad side of things. And, you know, he felt very strongly that he wanted to show that uh, Anakin as a child was not this guy who sat around and, you know, pulled legs off womp rats out on Tatooine or whatever. You know, he just, uh, he got put in this situation. His his mom gets killed and dies in a bad way. Uh, eventually I'm getting into, uh, you know, the other movies, of course. But And then his love for Padme is what kind of really does him in. But it's just, I think it's, you know... It's a kind of a neat thing that he did. My only difficulty with it a little bit is that I think it was a little bit of a shame to spend one of the three prequel movies about that whole situation. I think they could have done that in, you know, say 10, 15 minutes in, in the first part of the movie and then moved on to when Anakin was older and ended up with um, almost a whole other movie where they showed after, after Anakin had become Vader and some of the early things that went on then. I think that might have been a little bit better, a little bit better as a movie series. But, hey, again, George decided to do it this way. And, uh, again, I have to respect and admire that situation. So let's uh, let's go on. The next clip, this is when, uh, I think this is an important scene. This is when Padme, uh, who's uh, sort of pretending to be one of uh, uh, the handmaidens of the queen at this point, she goes with Qui-Gon, of course, and uh, they're looking for parts for their ship, and he, she meets up with this young boy named Anakin. So here's that scene. Are you an angel? What? An angel. I heard the deep space pilots talk about them. They're the most beautiful creatures in the universe. They live on the moons of Diego, I think. You're a funny little boy. How do you know so much? I listen to all the traders and star pilots who come through here. I'm a pilot, you know, and someday I'm gonna fly away from this place. You're a pilot? Mm-hmm. All my life. How long have you been here? Since I was very little. Three, I think. My mom and I were sold to Gardula the Hut, but she lost us betting on the pod races. You're a slave? I'm a person and my name is Anakin. I'm sorry. I don't fully understand. This is a strange place to me. So there you have uh, Natalie Porton. Port Porton? <laughs> oh, Rico. Uh, Natalie Portman as uh, the handmaiden at that point, but really Queen Amidala Padme. She's uh, really good in this role, I think. Uh, a little bit rough uh, in this movie, but in the later movies, uh, better, I think. 
She also, uh, again, George did a great job casting. I think she really, uh, you can really believe that she would be the mother of uh, Leia, of Princess Leia, of Carrie Fisher's character. You know, they really have a, a very similar look, a very similar appearance, and I think it was uh, a good a good choice. She's a good actress and, and fits into the movie well. The next scene, had to play a little clip here. This one's uh, this one's only about half a minute, but this is when, our, of course, our uh, good old droids R2 and C-3PO meet for the first time. That's a neat thing about this movie. You get to see a lot of firsts like that. Anakin meets Obi-Wan, R2 meets C-3PO, and uh, lots of... Lots of nice stuff like that. So here we go. I'm not sure this floor is entirely stable. Oh, hello. I don't believe we have been introduced. R2-D2, a pleasure to meet you. I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. I beg your pardon, but what do you mean, naked? My parts are showing. My goodness. Yeah, it was uh, pretty funny there. It's kind of uh, interesting that, you know, Anakin uh, is the one that built C-3PO. I thought that was a kind of a neat little thing that he did there. Of course, people are, you know, sometimes say in the future, how come, uh, you know, when Vader uh, runs into C-3PO, how come he doesn't realize it or whatever, realize that's uh, the droid that he made. And, and, you know, maybe he does realize it, but he just, like, maybe he doesn't say anything. Maybe it doesn't matter at that point. Of course, he, you know, they don't, um, maybe he doesn't want to reveal to them that, that he is really Anakin. He's kind of suppressed that at that stage, so not a big deal to me. Uh, the next clip, this one is, uh, this one's kind of important. This is when uh, Qui-Gon sits down and has dinner with uh, Anakin's mother, Shmi, and Anakin, and Amidala, well, the Handmaiden again, and Jar Jar's there, so... Lots of good inf- information here and some insights into Anakin's character and Qui-Gon a bit. So, listen to this clip. You're a Jedi Knight, aren't you? What makes you think that? I saw your laser sword. Only Jedis carry that kind of weapon. Perhaps I killed a Jedi and took it from him. I don't think so. No one can kill a Jedi. I wish that was so. I had a dream I was a Jedi. I came back here and freed all the slaves. Have you come to free us? No, I'm afraid not. I think you have. Why else would you be here? I can see there's no fooling you, Anakin. We're on our way to Coruscant, the central system in the Republic, on a very important mission. How did you end up out here in the Outer Rim? Our ship was damaged and we're stranded here until we can repair it. I can help. I can fix anything. I believe you can. But first we must acquire the parts we need. With none not in Moolah to trade. These junk dealers must have a weakness of some kind. Gambling. Everything here revolves around betting on those awful races. Pod racing. Greed can be a powerful ally. I built a racer. It's the fastest ever. There's a big race tomorrow on Boonta Eve. You could enter my pod. Anakin, what do won't let you? Wato doesn't know I've built it. You could make him think it was yours and get him to let me pilot it for you. I don't want you to race. It's awful. I die every time Wato makes you do it. But Mom, I love it. The prize money would more than pay for the parts they need. 
So we, you know, we learned there Anakin's really good with machines, has built his own pod racer, and he's an excellent pilot. And if you remember uh, back way back in the uh, first, well, the really the first Star Wars film, A New Hope, Episode 4, Obi-Wan makes the comment to Luke about, uh, you know, when he first meets uh, Anakin, his father, that he was already a great pilot. And that turns out to be very helpful in this movie, of course, because Anakin helps destroy the... Uh, one of the trade uh, ships over in Naboo and deactivates that. That, of course, in, in turn deactivates the droid army. Got to mention something about the, the droids, too. You know, they had the stormtroopers in the original trilogy and droids in this. And one of the, the tricky things there, I think, that George was able to do is, you know, these, these Jedi Knights are running around with uh, lightsabers cutting down the enemy and... You know, if they were actual stormtroopers, just guys in armor, you know, slicing them up, uh, it would be a little tricky, especially in a movie that he's trying to keep the rating from an R, you know, with with arms and legs being chopped off everywhere. But by using these mechanical droids and and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are chopping through several groups of them in the early part of the movie, it, it really allows him to have a lot of fun. The Jedi get to show what they can do. And you don't have, again, arms and legs of, of real people all ending up uh, all over the place in blood on the screen. They do uh, a, a little bit of that in this, the end of the movie, of course, and in, in a little bit in the future, um, the, the second movie, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But he, he works his way up to that. So the droid's a, a neat little uh, device there for uh, for George to give them an enemy to fight, but, but somebody that you are or mechanical things that you don't really get too worked up about, you know, when they get sliced up by the good old lightsabers. So the next clip, I, I was going to play a clip with Qui-Gon and, uh, and Shmi talking about how Qui- or how, excuse me, how Anakin didn't have a father, but everyone kind of knows that now he was somehow, you know, magically created by these midichlorians and, and by the, the living force, uh, which, nah, I was a little mixed about that whole situation. You know, it was kind of, uh, you know, now you've got this sort of divine birth almost situation, and it's, eh, I don't know. I would have been just as fine if the, if his father had been a Jedi or something like that, or a Force, somebody that was strong with the Force, but maybe even never trained as a Jedi. That, that would have been fine with me, too. I always liked the, the way they dealt with the Force in the original trilogy. I didn't like this idea that it was these little, you know, microscopic organisms that live in you that help you use the force. And if you've got more of them, well, you're better with the force. And if you got less, well, oh, well, you're just going to be whatever, an average person, not a Jedi or whatever. It, it just, it, it took away, I think, some of the mystery and some of the magic of what the force was when, when George did that. That I really wasn't um, too too excited about, let's just say. Uh, but the next clip I do have to play, this is kind of like that tone poem. This is when Anakin's leaving uh, his mother and going off with Qui-Gon. Critical point in the movie and a good scene. Uh, pretty emotional, so listen in. I can't do it, Mom. I just can't do it. Honey. Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? I hope so. Yes, I guess. Then we will see each other again. I will come back and free you, Mom. I promise. No. 
brave and don't look back. Don't look back. to mention here uh, a bit about the music john williams john williams of course has done all the mu- music mu- mu- <laughs> there we go uh losing it no john williams has done all the movie music all the music for the star wars films the original trilogy and this one and you know the music i've said before i think when i've talked about the other films in the star wars series the music to me is so so great and so important to the movies. It really adds such a an emotional impact and layer to the to what you're watching on the screen there with the 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 build up of the uh, the classic Star Wars theme uh, when uh, Anakin's leaving his mother is just so just so gets you I don't know just really gets me. I, I've always loved the music. Went out in one of the you know one of the first record albums I think I ever bought was the original Star Wars two lp record album you know when the first movie came out so it's uh great stuff and really an excellent job in this movie there's some really cool new musical themes and and tracks in this one especially when we get to the end with the battle and the fight with uh another cool element to this movie which is the character of darth maul uh there uh i was going to try to grab a clip when they first fight when qui-gon meets maul on tatooine when they're making their escape but Again, there's not much dialogue. It's just lightsabers slashing, and this this guy in black pops out and, and goes after Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon jumps up onto the ship, and they get away. It's um, a cool scene, but not much I can play for you that you're really going to uh, listen and learn a lot. So, so I'm going to skip ahead a bit in the movie sequence, and we're going to get to the part where uh, Anakin is now on Coruscant. They've all made their way there, and he's meeting up with the Jedi Council, and... Yoda's kind of testing him, and they're discussing things. And this gives you again, this gives you again uh, some insight into his character. So here's that clip with, with Anakin uh, meeting up with the Jedi. A ship, a speeder. Hmm. How feel you? Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you? We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm. Afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What has that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. Yeah, and an important scene there, Yoda's uh, getting some insight into the character of Anakin, the fear, uh, his emotions uh, really are, are what uh, is, end up being kind of Anakin's undoing, his strong love for Padme, his fear of losing her, he loses his mother eventually. I'm getting into the other films, but they all are sort of interconnected, so it's kind of hard not to. But that is an important thing, and it's what um, 
like I said earlier, it's kind of what leads to Anakin's kind of downfall. His uh, his situation and his emotions uh, get the better of him. And that's, uh, you know, it's, again, he's not like he's born this evil, nasty person. He just, you know, sort of slips away and things happen to him. But uh, the next clip. Now we're getting in towards the end of the movie, and we have uh, the amazing Ray Park playing Darth Maul, and this is the uh, a little bit of the battle with him and Qui Gon and Obi Wan. Now this Jedi fight, the three this this three uh, three way fight here, is one of the best in any of the movies as far as uh, lightsaber combat fights, Jedi showing off what they can do. But the, there's a couple of things I, I wanted to say here. One was the Darth Maul's uh, lightsaber, this uh, two-bladed, twin-bladed lightsaber, was the first time we'd ever seen anything like that, and it is cool. The character of Maul is cool. There are a lot of people that are disappointed that he gets killed in this movie. That that part didn't bug me. I mean, he's a nasty bad guy. He kind of had to go. Uh, I don't really like cliffhangers where the bad guy constantly keeps getting away. So for him to just get, you know, hurt a little and then, and then run off, it just, you know, he, he was sent there to, to, you know, get rid of these Jedi, to get rid of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And it was, it was either they were both going to die or Darth Maul was going to have to die. It was, it was basically that was the situation. So, uh, but the fight is just amazing. And Ray Park is just an amazing uh, gymnast, acrobat, uh, martial artist, the whole thing. And he really shows his skills and it also shows that the Jedi just are a little bit out of practice and a little bit out of their element here. That for a long time they haven't really had to fight like this. They haven't had the Sith to fight in in you know a long time, a long long time till the the Sith conflict that happened before, where the the Jedi pretty much almost well they had thought they had wiped the Sith out, but they really didn't completely. So this uh, this battle is is real interesting and it's. It's interesting to me that it's Qui-Gon that eventually uh, gets killed, but it's Obi-Wan that takes him out. Um, yeah, I could go into maybe what what my thoughts are on that. Obviously, Obi-Wan had to live because we know he lives later in the movies. But in, in a way, I think Qui-Gon was, I don't know, I you almost kind of think he maybe have sacrificed himself to some degree. I don't, I don't know. That's hard to say. He obviously gets over overbeat. I mean, when you watch what happens, he gets blasted in the face by Maul, which distracts him for a moment they get separated maul leads him into an area where they can't take him on together and that theme kind of comes up in the later movies as well where you know anakin and obi-wan are going after uh what's his name christopher lee's character um darth tyrannus or not tyrannus but why am i blanking out <laughs> i'm sorry count dooku they're going after count dooku that's it and you know that they realize that they need to fight together fighting together will will able or enable them to defeat him but they don't really do a good job at that, and that situation is sort of mirrored here as well. So anyway, I, Rico's babbled on enough. Let's uh, let's play this. Uh, the the reason I did catch this clip, I wanted to play it for you, is there are some very cool uh, sound effects and music here, and I'm just showing you how much I really like the this end theme music that they're using for the fight with Maul. So listen into this.
Yeah, it's great stuff. No real dialogue there, like I said. Uh, but the music, the the sound effects, the lightsabers, great, great fight, great battle there between the the two Jedi and Darth Maul. And Darth Maul is a is a cool character, kind of like cool like Boba Fett. You don't see him a lot, but when you do see him, it, it's it's cool. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> uh, I did have another clip here. Uh, I've got a couple left to play still, but there was a clip I was gonna play with Anakin blowing up the trade ship, but not real critical. I mean, I already mentioned that he does that and. It, it's kind of neat. He uh, he has a cool line in there. Now, this is pod racing. You know, you get to see the fact that his skills as a pod racer kind of come into handy with he weaves his way through the, the Trade Federation ship, uh, the control ship. But I am going to play here the clip with uh, after uh, Obi-Wan has defeated Darth Maul using uh, Qui-Gon's lightsaber, which is kind of a cool thing, I thought, uh, that... Um, the this is a critical moment where Qui-Gon asks Obi-Wan to to take Anakin under his wing and, and train him. So listen to this clip. It's, it's too late. It's No Obi-Wan. Promise. Promise me you will train the boy. Yes, Master. He is the chosen one. He will bring balance. Train him. So there goes Qui-Gon. He doesn't vanish into a little, uh, you know, invisible, uh, you know, thing like uh, what happened to Obi-Wan or Yoda. Uh, the, the discussion has always been that, that Qui-Gon wasn't able to do that because he really hadn't been trained in that ability. Uh, that's at least what I've read and heard over the years. That, you know, it's something that he sort of learns in the after-Jedi life. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, eventually that's how uh, I think, uh, you know, Obi-Wan can confer with him later on. But anyway, that's not super important. Let's move on. Uh, I got... Uh, Two more clips. I'm not sure if I'll play the very last one, but I do want to play this one. This one's kind of long. This one's a couple minutes long, but this is the discussion about, uh, you know, where Yoda and Obi-Wan are talking about Anakin and his training, and Obi-Wan becomes a Jedi at this point, and it's, it's important stuff to set up the rest of the uh, the next two movies in the series. So listen to this. Confer on you the level of Jedi Knight, the council does. But... Agree with your taking this boy as your Padawan learner? I do not. Qui-Gon believed in him. The chosen one, the boy may be. Nevertheless, grave danger I fear in his training. Master Yoda, I gave Qui-Gon my word. I will train Anakin. (sighs) Without the approval of the Council, if I must... Qui-Gon's defiance, I sense in you. Need that you do not. Agree with you, the Council does. Your apprentice, Skywalker, will be. So Obi-Wan now is uh, interested in the care and training of Anakin. And uh, 
you know, part of uh, part of what happens to Anakin in the future, what, what kind of his downfall is Obi Wan's probably not the best at this. He, he really isn't. Uh, he's not had the I don't think the experience and the training to do uh, a real good job. Plus, Anakin's a little older, and his emotions again are. are a little out of control, so that's that eventually is part of his downfall. Anyway, the last clip I gotta play. Uh, I love the the way the movie ends, the Phantom Menace, the very end of it. They have sort of this parade on Naboo. You know, they've they've fought off the invading armies and they've won, and the music is cool. So I just wanted to play a little bit of this bit at the end, and I will come back and kind of wrap things up. We do also have uh, uh, a couple of more things to play. We've got uh, from listeners, got something from Brian on the forums and uh, the Moyers, uh, their take on this movie. So. And some collectible talk. So we're not done yet, folks, but here's the end of The Phantom Menace. So there we go, The Phantom Menace, Episode 1 of the Star Wars prequels, Star Wars films in general, directed by George Lucas, written by George Lucas, envisioned by George Lucas, uh, made a lot of money for George Lucas. It's, it's a good movie, yeah, not quite up to the others, but it's still fun to watch. Uh, Brian on the forums has some good comments about that, where he talks about... Uh, this movie, I think, kind of grows on you as you watch it more and more. So I'm going to play Brian's call here, and I will be back in a couple of minutes after that, and we'll also hear from the Moyers on The Phantom Menace. So here's Brian from the forums about his take on this movie. Hey, Rico, it's uh, Brian calling, Brian CD from the forums. I just want to call and leave a message uh, regarding your upcoming podcast uh, where you're going to cover The Phantom Menace. You know, The Phantom Menace is a film that, for me, gets a lot better the more you watch it, kind of like Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, although the film clearly suffers under the crushing weight of the absurdity of, absurdity of Jar Jar, its redemption really comes, uh, I think, in the form of Qui-Gon and his portrayal by Liam Neeson. The interaction between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are really excellent and provide a huge amount of insight into Obi-Wan's relationship with the Force and the movies going forward. I think that that really brings a lot of backstory to the character that I really enjoy, and I thought the, the portrayal by the two actors was excellent. And then, of course, Darth Maul. Darth Maul, I think, uh, definitely is worth, is worth the price of admission alone, just to have a great character like that. I think Luke's did an excellent job. Having Anakin so young, probably also a problem for the film. Um, you know, I guess Lucas had to start the story at some point, and having it start with uh, Anakin being that age was where he, feel, he, what he felt he needed to do. It probably isn't as effective for some of us older members of the audience watching the movie. It was hard to relate to him becoming Darth Vader, but again, you know, the story did have to start at some point. And I think most of the scenes on Tatooine are really good, including the pod race, which uh, it's a little long, but I think it stands up well over time. It's a pretty exciting and well-done uh, action sequence. But uh, the film really gets going towards the end. I think, the, obviously, the lightsaber duel between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon is the best arguably of all of the films, with the exception of maybe Return of the Jedi, which was so poignant, but it was such a beautifully shot and, and well-done battle. I think that was definitely worth, worthwhile and uh, really helps make the, the film that much better. 
So uh, all, all in all, The Phantom Menace, Menace for me really works well. I, I like it as a standalone film. I liked it as the first act of a six-act play. Um, you know, I think it, it really captured, I think, a little, little bit of that innocence of A New Hope that was not uh, so you know, readily apparent in the next two films because the story had to turn to such a, a darker, sort of a more menacing kind of uh, feel. But I think The, the Phantom Menace, is a, it's a good film, and I think that it deserves a, a, definitely a second look by people who really disliked it initially. And uh, just sort of watch it, again, as a standalone film, I think it really works well. And uh, you know, I, I enjoy it, and every now and then we'll still pop it in. So anyway, great podcast. Love the show as always. Uh, t- keep up the great work, and uh, talk to you later. Take care. Yeah, thanks for those comments, Brian. Brian is uh, Brian CD on the forums. Brian's the uh, multi-athletic triathlete guy on the the forums that uh, goes off on these, you know, little short, you know, twenty thirty mile runs, then jumps in the water, rides on a bike, all these kind of uh, crazy, amazing uh, feats of endurance that I, I have to just sit there with my mouth hanging open when when I hear about. But thanks a lot for those comments about the Phantom Menace, Brian. Uh, I, I really agree with what you have to say. I think uh, I think the movie is uh, all, quite a bit better than people really give it credit for. It really sets things up real well. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not perfect, but, but really, what is? And as a piece of entertainment, you know, when you you know you slap down your money and you go into a movie theater, there's no denying, at least for me, that this movie delivers. Uh, lots of great sequences still still like you said hold up to this day so now we have one more call to play and then i'm going to do a couple of quick looks at collectibles we've got a listener uh, collectible review from jedi jeff on the forums also but we couldn't really cover the phantom menace uh without uh, our favorite uh, father and son reviewers the moyers taking a, a look at it this uh, audio clip is is kind of long but i think it's definitely worth playing it's about five minutes of the moyers doing their take on the phantom menace <laughs> No, Nathan. What? I am your father. No! In honor of Star Wars, this is the Father and Son Review. Hey, Rico, we're really glad that you decided to cover another Star Wars movie. And, of course, this one, The Phantom Menace. We waited for years, years and years, and we got another movie. And uh, we're going to tell you what we liked and what we didn't like about it, aren't we, Nathan? Yep. Okay, so let's start off with what we did like about the movie, just in like one or two words. Ready? Okay. We liked the new CGI. And we liked the battle droids. Ooh, the submarine kicked butt. And we liked the music. Mm-hmm. La la! La la la! I don't know how that works. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we really liked the Queen's Cruiser, the shining aluminum ship. Ooh. Yeah. And we liked R2-D2. That's right, the young r 2 R2-D2. R2-D2. Yeah. Uh, really like the holographic Siths. That was kind of mm, cool. Yes. Yeah. And C-3PO. Oh, he was so cool. And Watto. We Ooh. really liked Watto. We liked, uh, what are those things called? Um, droidicas. Droidicas. Yeah. Or droidicas. I like the yeah. probe droids. Those were cool. And young Jabba the Hutt. Young Jabba was cool. Yeah. It was a little less weight on him at that time. He gained a few pounds after that. I, I like the pod racing a lot, too. Yeah, the pod racing was kind of cool. Kind of long, but kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. But they got good you know, video games out of the deal. Uh, let me see. We really like the red leopard face painting mm-hmm. on Darth Maul. That was kind of cool. I like his um, dual-bladed lightsaber. That was way cool, wasn't it? 
I really enjoyed that too. Or how about uh, Croissant? It's Coruscant. I know, I'm just joking, but I like Coruscant. That was cool, the, the political city. I, I really like the gun gun battle because, well, a couple of them died. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I liked uh, Darth, Darth Maul's split when they cut him in half. That was kind of cool. That was our dog, by the way. I really liked um, Yoda's Picard hair. Oh, he, that like, was had, cool. He had the Picard hair going on. Mm, so, make it. Oh, sorry, sorry, okay. Oh, things we disliked about the movie. Here we go, you ready? The worst part was when Qui Gon saved Jar Jar. Yeah, that was a really that was a real bummer. Uh, another dislike that we had was the uh, gun guns. <laughs> they looked like bullfrogs with bad grammar. <laughs> I didn't like decoy the decoy Queen mm-hmm. Amidala's decoy. Oh, my, one of my favorite scenes. Actually, I'm just joking. Is the what? dinner at Anakin's house? That was so stupid. Like when when Qui Gon Qui Qui Gon Qui Gon catches his tongue. It's like, oh come on, give me a break. Oh, and that's another one. Jar Jar's tongue. I didn't <laughs> like that at all. Oh, we also really did not like the animal farting. <laughs> what was that? Movie. What was that? That little scene at the pod races. <laughs> <laughs> On the subtitles it said, Flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let me see. What is... Oh, I didn't like the Good Fortune necklace either. Yeah. It looked like a immunity idol from Survivor. Take this to remember me by... <laughs> Annie, I don't need that to remember you. <laughs> Cradle robber. Oh, and then uh, what, is, what, what did I write down? What is that? Oh, the death of Qui Gon. Oh, yeah, I didn't like sad. that. That was sad. It was sad. He at least got his head chopped off. Yeah. Okay, so now we decided that we would do some fun things. We're going to do a little bit of imitations and favorite lines from the movie, and these are our favorite ones. And so here we go. Um, we we quote this a lot around our house, especially when considering political things. Shall I do it? Okay. <clears throat> We would do nothing without the approval of the Senate. I like that. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. How does he do it? The, the Planet, planet Core. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. you got to do your impression of, of uh, Jar Jar. Oh, Cooperfish! <laughs> <laughs> or how about a uh, favorite line from uh, Qui-Gon? There's always a bigger fish. Yeah, we like that. Or how about this one from Young Annie? Are you an angel? Oh, jeez. I heard the deep space pilots talking about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To live on the moon of something, I think. Or my fav- one of my favorite characters in the entire movie, w- though, was uh, Watto. I loved it when he said, What? Do you think you're some kind of a Jedi waving your hand around like that? That was cool. I liked him. He, I don't know. He just reminded me of Archie Bunker uh, with wings. I don't know. There was just something about him. Uh, let me see. Oh, no money, no parts, and no deal. I like that. So what would we give this movie? Wait a minute. We got oh, more. Wait, wait, we got more. We, have we got more. more. Yeah. Where? Yeah. The th- one of the favorites when oh, he was okay. uh, doing his pod. Okay, go ahead. It's working. It's working. Oh, I just love it. Or one of my... I just hated this line. Poodoo. What is that? Okay. And what else? Oh, remember? I don't care what galaxy you come from. That's, that's gotta, gotta hurt. Oogalaka. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then, of course, Yoda's line. More to say, have you? Yeah, we like that. Anyway, those are the lines that we liked out of the movie. So now, what would you give it? Well, let's see. Out of all the movie, I would I would give the movie out of all the Star Wars movies, if you from one to five stars, I would I would I'm going to give this movie a two because I really didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, it, it got those two just for being Star Wars. It was cool just to have another Star Wars movie come out so much later, but I really didn't enjoy it. I really liked the next two movies a lot better than this one. Yep. So there you go. Uh, Rico, this is the Father and Son Review, and uh, I'm Rick. 
And this is Nathan, and uh, have a great one, Rico. Well, as always, thanks, guys. Thanks, Rick and Nathan, for that uh, take on The Phantom Menace. Great voices, great job, guys. Really enjoyed that. And we're going for the record of the longest Treks in Sci-Fi podcast ever. Well, maybe not hit it. I don't remember what the longest show is, but we're about an hour and ten minutes now. Probably got about five minutes left. I'll get I'll get you out of here in five minutes or so. Uh, I was going to look at some collectibles myself. I've got, uh, of course, several lightsaber hilts uh, made by Master Replicas. The the main two from this movie, uh, Obi-Wan's and Qui-Gon's, you can see up on my collector's gallery. Great pieces, of course. Uh, really nice stuff. But I, I got a listener, uh, Jeff from Jedi Jeff from the forums, who sent in a review of uh, a Darth Maul uh, figure from, I think it's a Gentle Giant piece or Sideshow. I can't remember which one it was he was going to look at. But here's his review of his Darth Maul collectible. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hi Rico, this is Jeff. Jedi Jeff on the forums. Today I'd like to talk about two new collectibles I recently got. The Sideshow Darth Maul and the Gentle Giant Darth Maul. I'll begin talking about the Gentle Giant Darth Maul. This minibus comes with the iconic pose of Darth Maul with the cloak up over his head, his arms crossed and him looking down with a kind of a menacing look to his face. This mini bust is a little different than some of the others as it's just really just a static uh, one kind of mold mini bust. There's no detachable arms like on the clone troopers or the head doesn't really move. It's just just one mold and um, to be honest it's, it's kind of uh, not a very exciting looking uh, mini bust actually because uh, the biggest problem is is that cloak covers his head and Darth Maul really the most interesting part about Darth Maul in my opinion is the tattoos on his face and the horns on his head and the look that he has and you really can't see that with this cloak kind of up over his head so it's not very exciting Um, so I'm hoping that maybe um, at some point in time uh, Gentle Giant might do another Darth Maul mini bust a little more exciting as well this uh, mini bust also has a really high edition size of 10,000 the one I got is 9,813 so it was near the end of the line Um, so I would recommend anyone who's potentially thinking about getting this one to kind of maybe check around on eBay or the e-tailers and I'm sure you can find this one for probably a really good price I wouldn't pay too much for it since the edition size is really high next I'll talk about the sideshow Darth Maul this one I'm really excited about. Just like all Sideshow figures, this one is very uh, articulated, so that means you can pose him in many different poses, which is great since uh, he was a very physical character in uh, the first movie, or Episode 1. Um, he'd probably go really good with the uh, Sideshow uh, Qui-Gon Jinn uh, figure as well, and you could probably uh, kind of put them into a little diorama of them uh, having a lightsaber battle. Clothes on this uh, Darth Maul fit him very well, and like all Sideshow, uh, very tailored very well to him. Um, the face sculpt on him is very, very good as well. You can see the tattoos and the horns, and he's got a real menacing look to him as well. Things like that. Looks very, very nice. As well, what really I like about this uh, figure as well is that he stands on his own. So. The, the stand that comes shipped with this Darth Maul, you don't need it because uh, he can stand on his own, which is great. Um, also, he comes with a cloak, and the nice thing about the cloak is it's got a little wire in it, so um, that allows you to kind of uh, put that uh, cloak on him and kind of maybe uh, 
conform it to his body a little bit better so that you can maybe get the desired look you want with this figure. He also comes with uh, uh, his lightsaber, both with the ignited version and one which is not ignited. Also, the exclusive version comes with a battle-damaged uh, lightsaber, both ignited and not ignited. Um, out of the two, I'd probably prefer the uh, sideshow uh, Darth Maul, as um, it gives you a little more options to uh, pose it. Anyways, Rico, thanks for uh, letting me review these two products, and back to your show. Well, thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks for that uh, great review, great set of reviews. Uh, that's why I couldn't remember if it was Gentle Giant or Sideshow. You did a little bit of both, the Darth Maul uh, Gentle Giant mini bust and the Darth Maul Sideshow uh, one-sixth scale uh, figure, which I've got the, the Sideshow piece, the Sideshow figure. It's a real nice uh, item, like you said, and uh, Sideshow's doing a great job on that line of uh, figures from uh, Star Wars since they got the license. Really nice. I uh, like the cloth uh clothing and and stuff they do on the figures and really really good things so thanks a lot for those uh collectible reviews and like i said if you'd like to also look at the collection gallery i've got uh photos up in there of the two lightsabers that i've got from master replicas uh that are uh the qui-gon which is a limited edition one and i've got the elite edition of obi-wan's lightsaber as seen in the phantom menace both great items really really nice pieces and really really like having those and uh that's it for the collectible talk uh that's going to wrap things up for this week's uh trex in sci-fi uh look at the phantom menace and and other things i want to thank everyone that's contributed to this week's show really enjoy that really makes the show uh i think a lot more fun a lot more enjoyable getting other people's takes and comments on things uh, upcoming on the podcast, uh, next week I am most likely going to be covering a Star Trek episode. Got a couple uh, I'm thinking of, but I will post which one on the main webpage at treksf.com when I decide uh, probably later uh, this afternoon as I'm updating the website with this podcast and other info. So check for that information there. But in two weeks, I think I'm going to be doing and planning another Skype conversation call this will most likely be recorded on, that will be April 28th, Saturday, April 28th, probably uh, afternoonish, at least Eastern time. And we'll be talking about usual sci-fi, Star Trek subjects, things like that. So that will probably be the podcast in two weeks, a Skype call. So put that down on your calendars if you want to participate. And, and also, if you want to participate in other things on the show, you can always email me at treksf at gmail.com. Or call the voicemail line at 206-88-TREX. Uh, I know the show went a little longer today, but I, I think it was worth it. I, th- I really enjoyed looking at this uh, first uh, prequel movie in the Star Wars uh, universe. I think uh, I hope everyone had a good time, and I will be talking to you soon. Oh, one last thing. I am going to try this uh, Wednesday to, to cover and do a little mini-episode, mini-podcast. Going to look at uh, another animated Star Trek episode, I believe, coming up Wednesday. So next week you should get two podcasts, I think, for the price of one, which is zero, of course, as always. Anyway, Rico's got to get out of here. I got laundry to move. I got podcasts to save and edit. So uh, everyone have a good few days. I will probably be talking to you Wednesday and next weekend. So take care, everyone. May the force be with you. Bye-bye for now.
This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.